All right, now if you're able, I'd invite you to stand with me as we hear the word of the Lord read together. I'm going to read uh, Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. So Jonah 4, 1 through 11. This is the word of the Lord. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah, so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. You may be seated. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you that you're good. Uh, we ask for your wisdom as we consider um, this final chapter of the book of Jonah. Uh, we pray you'd be with us as we study it. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would give us hearts that are quick to understand, hearts that are um, quickly comforted, quickly um, challenged, quickly convicted, Lord. Um, we thank you for the grace that we see throughout uh, this whole book. May you pray. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, we are concluding our study of the book of Jonah, and we are going to be looking at Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, which I just read for us. Uh, we have spent a little over a month following the story of the prophet Jonah, uh, from his call to go to Nineveh, uh, to his flight from the Lord, to God's pursuit of Jonah in the great storm, to God's uh, appoint, appointing a great fish to miraculously swallow Jonah while preserving his life under the waters. Uh, we've seen Jonah repentant inside the great fish. Uh, we've seen him spit out and recommissioned with God's message for Nineveh. Uh, last week... Uh, we saw when Jonah proclaimed God's message of coming judgment to the wicked people of Nineveh, and the entire population of Nineveh responded by repenting. And this morning, we have arrived at the end of the story. Uh, but what we find as we read chapter 4 is not the ending that you would have expected to find. In chapter 3, we read this you know, just magnificent story of the people of Nineveh repenting of their sins and looking to God for mercy. And here in chapter 4, we find Jonah furious, just absolutely furious with God for showing mercy uh, to Nineveh. 
the great surprise of this entire story that's been full of surprises is Jonah's response to God's grace towards Nineveh. And I, I mentioned last week that, that I love the story of Jonah. Well, one thing that I don't love about the story of Jonah is the ending. Uh, this is not how the story is supposed to end. You know, this is a story full of surprises, and once again, we find ourselves surprised. Yeah, the story is supposed to end with Jonah, uh, who has consistently been on the receiving end of God's mercy throughout this story, having learned his lesson, and with Jonah rejoicing in God's salvation of Nineveh. Now, that's kind of what we expect to see, is what we hope to find. Uh, but that's not what we get in chapter 4. In chapter 4, we hear a conversation that occurs between Jonah and God, and in that conversation, both of their hearts are revealed. And what we see of Jonah's heart isn't very pretty. Uh, these are the words of a man who somehow still doesn't get it. Uh, the story of Jonah is a story that is full of surprises, and they get bigger and bigger and bigger as the story goes on. And even as we find ourselves surprised by things like a runaway prophet or these gigantic terrifying storms or great man-swallowing fish or even the repentance of the great and wicked city Nineveh, um, nothing has been like this one. Uh, Jonah's response is shocking, um, that Jonah's angry at God uh, for his gracious response to Nineveh is supposed to catch us off guard. Um, it's the biggest surprise we found yet. Uh, Jonah is a book of surprises, and the greatest surprise that we find on every page is God's grace for the undeserving, and again, we find it here as God pursues Jonah. Uh, we read this final chapter of Jonah this morning. We see in, this, in his reaction to God's grace um, directed towards the people of Nineveh, we see that Jonah continues uh, to need God's pursuing grace. And amazingly, uh, we see God continuing to graciously pursue this you know, prone-to-wonder heart of his prophet Jonah. In, in spite of the progress that we've seen in Jonah's life, uh, in chapter 3 of this book, in spite of Jonah's past obedience and his uh, success as a prophet that we read about in 2 Kings, uh, Jonah still continues to need God's gracious pursuit. And there's, there's a, a man named Lloyd Ogilvie. Um, he says in his commentary about Jonah that to know Jonah is to love him. And, and the reason uh, we love him is because he's so much like us in our response to God's guidance. And as I've studied Jonah over the years, uh, I've really fallen absolutely in love with this book, but uh, my hope is that as we have studied the book of Jonah these past six weeks, that we haven't fallen in love with the man Jonah, uh, because Jonah's not all that lovable, right? Uh, my hope is that as we've studied the book of Jonah, we have fallen in love with the God who shows endless mercy to Jonah and to every other character in the story. You know, at, at times, you know, at times we struggle with, with some of the passages in the Old Testament. Our, our tendency sometimes when we read the Old Testament is to make Abraham or Isaac or, or Joseph or Daniel the hero of the story, um, and, we, and we forget about the incredible God of those faithful men. Well, we don't even have to fight that tendency with Jonah, right? Uh, because the story makes it clear that the only hero in this story is God. Um, there aren't any t-shirts out there telling us to dare to be a Jonah, um, right? Uh, the story of Jonah makes it clear that salvation is of the Lord. I do have that t-shirt. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you about it later. Uh, but I do have that t-shirt. And uh, that, the story of Jonah tells us that salvation is of the Lord and that it can be found in no one else. And as we watch Jonah struggle along, um, we see him struggle along what is really an all-too-familiar um, one step forward, two steps back, path of spiritual growth, a path of sanctification. Uh, 
um, as we watch Jonah struggle to remember uh, that he has received grace that he never deserved. Uh, we're reminded of the slow and, and plodding progress of our own sanctification, of our own spiritual growth. Uh, we're reminded of the battles that rage within our own hearts, um, our hearts that know what it is to love God and yet to still be prone to wander. And so as we look at the fourth chapter of Jonah, uh, we are reminded of the truth that the hero of the story of Jonah is God and that the hero of our story is God. Uh, because this isn't just a, a childhood story about a rebellious prophet who repents. This is ultimately a story about our God of grace, and it's a story that we all need to hear. Uh, there, there's a poem uh, from the late 1800s called The Hound of Heaven, uh, where the author Francis Thompson describes all of his attempts to flee from God. Uh, but he says that everywhere that he went, he could always hear God persistently following right behind him. In, in God's great mercy... He has pursued Jonah throughout this entire story, hounding Jonah's steps all along the way. And so as we read this, this final chapter of Jonah this morning, we see in Jonah's reaction to God's grace, uh, this grace that God has directed towards Nineveh, we see in Jonah's reaction to it that Jonah continues to need God's pursuing grace. And amazingly, we see God continuing to graciously pursue this prone-to-wander prophet of his, Jonah. And since we also continue to find ourselves in need of God's gracious pursuit, uh, we need to pay close attention to the truths we find in our passage today. And so this morning, uh, we're going to walk through this passage together, and then we're going to spend just a few minutes looking at uh, three truths, uh, three truths that Jonah forgets in this passage uh, that we're going to be challenged to remember today. And as we begin, uh, let me read verses 1 through 4 uh, again for us, where we see Jonah respond to God's grace for Nineveh and anger. Uh, verses 1 through 4 say, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? And so after the high point of chapter 3, when the people of Nineveh repent and God, in keeping with both his character and his promises, relents of his judgment against them, chapter 4 is this kind of shocking thing to us. In, in chapter 2, on the ship, the, sail the sailors were afraid of the storm, but when they learned that Jonah was fleeing from Yahweh, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land, uh, we're told that they became exceedingly afraid. Uh, Nineveh is described as an exceedingly great city in chapter 3. And here, in verse 1, we're told that Jonah is exceedingly displeased and angry. Uh, this isn't a casual anger that Jonah is feeling. He's, he's furious. And why? Because God relented of his judgment against Nineveh. As readers of this story, we're supposed to be shocked uh, by Jonah's attitude. This is not what you expect from a prophet. You don't expect prophets to run away. Uh, you don't expect prophets to be upset uh, when their message is successful. Uh, we're supposed to be shocked by Jonah's words in this passage. And so God, um, you know, God spares this exceedingly great city full of repentant sinners, and Jonah responds with anger. And he goes to God in prayer for the second time in this story. And in this prayer, we find out why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. And, and it wasn't that Jonah was scared 
um, you know, of the way that the Ninevites would respond to his message of impending judgment against their sin, which I think most of us would have understood, could have been understanding about that. Uh, it, it turns out that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he didn't want God to forgive them. And, and, and let that sink in for a second. Jonah, an experienced and successful prophet, didn't want to go to Nineveh because he knew. He knew that God was a merciful God. And Jonah didn't want Nineveh to receive God's mercy. Uh, even after everything that God has done in this story for Jonah, when we hear his words in this prayer, we once again hear the words of a man uh, who is in need of God's grace. Uh, Jonah's words expose his heart. His words expose his inconsistency. And the crazy part is that as you read verse 2, Jonah is exactly right. He's exactly right about God's character, and he resents God for it. Uh, Jonah, the recipient of God's mercy, resents God's merciful character, if it means that his enemies can receive that mercy too. Uh, Jonah wanted nothing to do with the salvation of the Ninevites, and he says that he would rather die than to live in a world where people like the Ninevites can be forgiven. But one of the great things about this passage is that God, in his mercy, graciously pursues Jonah once again. Uh, but this time he doesn't pursue Jonah with a storm or with a great fish. Uh, he pursues Jonah with a question. God asks Jonah, do you do well to be angry? Uh, rather than correct Jonah harshly, uh, God gently challenges Jonah to reconsider his reaction. And in verses 5 through 11, God continues his gracious pursuit of Jonah. And I'm going to start by looking at verses 5 through 8. So I'll read verses 5 through 8 again for us. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what, be, what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And so we're told in these verses that after Jonah finished proclaiming God's message to the people of Nineveh, uh, Jonah goes outside of town, he builds himself a little shelter, and then he sits down and waits to see what's going to happen to Nineveh. Uh, Jonah is actually still hoping that God might destroy Nineveh, and so he decides to wait. He's going to wait in the desert and see what happens. And outside of the city of Nineveh, Jonah would have been in a pretty barren desert-like area. And that's why he has to build himself a shelter uh, to protect, protect himself from uh, the elements as he, as he waits. But as Jonah waits for God's judgment on Nineveh, uh, God once again graciously pursues Jonah. Uh, God appoints a plant to grow up over Jonah's kind of homemade shelter to give him shade from the desert sun. And when Jonah sees this plant, we're told that he is exceedingly glad and one of the interesting things uh, to note is that this, the word that's used when it says that the Lord appointed a plant uh, to come up is the same word that's used when we're told that God appointed the great fish to come and to swallow Jonah. Uh, Jonah. Jonah. Uh, once again, uh, we're seeing that God has total control over his creation. We're seeing God use his creation for the benefit of Jonah. And another interesting thing to note about verse 6 is that uh, this is the first time in the story that we're told Jonah is glad about something. Uh, Jonah's finally happy. Uh, Jonah is exceedingly glad to be able to sit in the shade and to wait for the destruction of, of Nineveh. 
Uh, but God isn't content. Um, Jonah's content to do this. God isn't content to let Jonah continue in this sin. And so we're told that God appointed a worm that came and destroyed this plant that had brought, brought Jonah shade and happiness. And then God appointed a scorching east wind. Same word, appointed again. Um, God's showing his control over creation uh, for his redemptive purposes. God appoints a scorching east wind, and we're told that the sun beat down on Jonah until he was faint. And Jonah once again prayed to God and asked God to take his life because it would be better for him to die than to live. And, and Douglas Stewart, one of the commentators, he mentions that uh, this request for death kind of aligns Jonah with some pretty famous prophets from the Old Testament who in a moment of weakness, a uh, moment of despair, request that the Lord would just let them die. Uh, Elijah does this uh, when he is on the run from Queen Jezebel in the wilderness. Uh, Jeremiah makes this request during a hard time in his ministry. Moses makes this request during his ministry as well. Uh, but a significant difference is that these men uh, were worn out spiritually and physically from serving God faithfully. Uh, Jonah is making this request because he's angry that his ministry succeeded and because he is suffering from the elements because he set up camp in the desert hoping to see Nineveh destroyed. And so while the request from a weary prophet uh, that God let them die is not entirely unusual, the reasons for Jonah's request are. And so in verses 5 through 8, we see God's gracious pursuit of Jonah in the desert. And then in verses 9 through 11, we hear God's gracious pursuit of Jonah in a conversation. So I'm going to read verses 9 through 11 again for us. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant, for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? This is the, the second time in these verses that Jonah has wished for death. But this time God answers Jonah. And once again, God responds by inviting Jonah to consider his actions, to consider the attitudes of his heart. God asks Jonah, do you do well to be angry for this plant? Uh, this is essentially the same question that God asked him in verse 4. And in Jonah's answer, we hear that he still hasn't learned. Uh, he says, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Uh, Jonah in his heart, believes that he has right to be angry enough to die because this plant that provided with him with shade for one day is gone. And with that answer, God, God has him. Uh, God has him. Much like the prophet Nathan had David when David said that the man who took the poor family's lamb deserved to die, God uses his plant to expose the heart of Jonah. Uh, Sinclair Ferguson says that God was bringing Jonah to a point at which what was in his heart would come out of his lips. Uh, Jonah responds to God's question, and then the story closes. Uh, the story closes with the Lord mercifully pursuing his rebellious prophet with these words of gentle correction uh, in verses 10 and 11, which I just read, but I'm going to read them again. Uh, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night, and should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons, who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. And so God tells Jonah that if Jonah can be concerned for a plant that he did nothing to produce, then God is right to be concerned for the people of Nineveh. It's right for God to be concerned about the people that he created that live in Nineveh. It's right for God to be concerned about the cattle of Nineveh. Uh, God is the creator of the universe. 
Uh, he is the creator of the people. He's the creator of the animals who inhabit the great city of Nineveh, and it's right for him to be concerned for them. And it's right for him to show them mercy. And that's how the story ends. Uh, that's where we're left. Uh, we aren't told if Jonah repents of his hard-heartedness. We aren't told um, if he finally learns his lesson. Um, I kind of assume that he did because somebody told the story, right? Uh, so hopefully, best case scenario, Jonah repents, tells others the story uh, as a warning to them. Uh, but we aren't really told. Uh, this story ends much like it began, uh, with God pursuing his unfaithful prophet, because God is exactly who Jonah, Jonah accused him of being. Uh, God is a gracious God. He's merciful. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Uh, Jonah's right, and that's why God continues to pursue him. You know, as we read this final chapter of Jonah this morning, uh, we see in his reaction to God's grace that Jonah continues to need God's pursuing grace, and we see God continue to graciously pursue Jonah. And so as we look at the fourth chapter of Jonah, we are reminded of the truth that the hero of the story of Jonah is God, and that the hero of our story is God. Uh, we've seen some progress in Jonah's life in chapter 3. Uh, we know that Jonah has some past obedience, uh, some prophetic success um, in his story from, uh, from 2 Kings. And yet Jonah still continues to need God's gracious pursuit. And in God's great mercy, he has pursued Jonah uh, throughout the entire story, hounding Jonah's steps all along the way, even to the final verses of this story. And so this morning, we conclude our study of the book of Jonah without, without really knowing if Jonah learned the lessons of this final chapter. Uh, but we also conclude with the opportunity to look at what we can learn from this final chapter. And so this morning, before we go, we're going to spend just a few minutes uh, looking at three, three truths uh, that Jonah forgets in this passage um, that we need to remember, that we need to remember. And so the first important truth that Jonah forgets in this passage uh, that we need to remember is this. We need to remember uh, that we never deserve the grace that we have received. So the first important truth that Jonah forgets in this passage that we need to remember is this. Uh, we need to remember that we never deserve the grace that we have received. Uh, Jonah received God's grace throughout this entire story. Uh, he was called as a prophet. God pursued Jonah in the storm. God appointed a great fish. The fish miraculously kept him alive. Uh, Jonah was delivered safely from the belly of the great fish. Jonah was recommissioned as a prophet. Jonah is protected during his ministry in Nineveh. God has poured out grace upon grace on Jonah, even as Jonah continued to sin and continued to rebel. You know, think of all the grace that God has shown to Jonah. Jonah should have been the first one to tell the Ninevites that there was forgiveness, that there was hope with God. But instead, he, he got angry. He got angry with God for forgiving them. And unfortunately, uh, we can act this way too. Uh, like Jonah, we can forget uh, that we didn't do anything to deserve the grace that we've received. Uh, we can begin to make our list of people who don't deserve God's grace. If, if we're not careful, we can begin to think that it's no less than we deserve when God forgives us. But when someone sins against us, we want justice. Uh, we want them to pay for what they've done. Uh, Jonah didn't want the enemies of his people to receive mercy. He wanted justice. Um, sadly, we're not always that different from Jonah. Uh, in Matthew 18, uh, Matthew 18, verses 23 through 20, uh, 23 35, Jesus tells us a parable um, that addresses this, this very struggle. Uh, if you remember it, he tells the story of a man who owed an unpayably large debt uh, to the king. 
Uh, the man begged for more time to pay the debt. The king forgives this man's entire debt. Later that day, this forgiven servant, he goes out, he finds a, faithful, a fellow servant who owes him money. Uh, the man begs for more time uh, to pay the debt, but this, he's thrown into prison. And when the king hears what he's done, he's furious, and he throws that man in jail too. And so these parables, this, this parable, the story of Jonah is given to us as a warning. Uh, we need to pay attention to this warning, uh, both the warning in the book of Jonah, uh, the warning in this parable. Um, that those of us who have received much grace uh, need to be prepared to extend grace to those who have sinned against us, um, even to those we consider to be enemies. And, and it begins with remembering that we are the recipients of undeserved grace. Uh, the book of Romans tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, the Bible doesn't leave us room uh, to celebrate all the th great things we've done to receive God's grace. It tells us that we didn't deserve it. Uh, that when we received it, we were still his enemies. Uh, you and I didn't deserve the grace that we received, and remembering this truth uh, helps us to extend that grace to others. And so the, the first important truth we, that Jonah forgets in this passage uh, that we need to remember is that we never deserve the grace that we've received. The second important truth that Jonah forgets in this passage uh, that we need to remember is this. We need to remember that we continue to need God's grace as we follow him. We continue to need God's grace as we follow him. And Jonah, um, at times, we're surprised by the hardness of his heart. And Jonah, uh, we're surprised at how, by the end of chapter 4, he hasn't gotten it. Um, as we watch Jonah struggle along what for us is probably a, a very familiar uh, one step forward, two steps back kind of path of spiritual growth, a path of sanctification, um, we see this in Jonah, and it's easy to spot. It's harder to spot in ourselves. You know, as we watch Jonah struggle to remember that he's received grace that he never deserved, uh, we're reminded of that slow, plodding progress of our own sanctification, of our own spiritual growth. Uh, we're reminded of the battles that still rage within our own hearts, um, hearts that know what it is to love God and yet still be prone to wander. Uh, we see in this story a picture of the difficult struggle of sanctification, the struggle to become uh, what we've already been declared to be. Uh, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, God declares us to be righteous because of the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And then we are called to the work, um, to, to borrow language from Colossians 3, we're called to the work of putting off the old man, our old patterns of sin, and to put on the new man, uh, the new man being our Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is a process. Uh, we see this struggle played out in the book of Jonah. We hear the Apostle Paul lament uh, the difficulty of this process in Romans 7. And you and I know the difficulty of this struggle from our own hearts, uh, from our own lives. We find ourselves needing the grace of God every day. And in other places um, in the Bible and in this story, we see that God is ready to meet us in those moments with grace upon grace. And so the second important truth that Jonah forgets in this passage that we need to remember um, is that we need to remember that we continue to need God's grace as we follow him. Um, it's not just at the beginning, it's a continual thing. Uh, the third important truth that Jonah forgets in this passage that we need to remember is this. Uh, we need to remember that we serve a dissatisfied Redeemer. Uh, we need to remember that we serve a dissatisfied Redeemer. Um, if that's not proper grammar, that's because it's from Paul Tripp, so blame Paul Tripp. It's his, his quote. Uh, this is a truth uh, that we can see very clearly in the book of Jonah. Uh, God could have sent angels to warn Nineveh like he did when he sent the angels to warn Lot and his family with Sodom and Gomorrah in the book of Genesis. Uh, he could have sent um, another less flawed prophet to warn Nineveh. 
If all God cared about was getting his message to Nineveh, he could have found a better way than by using Jonah. Uh, our sovereign God wasn't surprised by anything in this book. You know, I've talked about it being a book of surprises. God wasn't surprised. He knew that Jonah would fail. He knew that Jonah would run. And so the question is, well, if God knew that Jonah was going to run, why did he give Jonah the job? And it's because the Ninevites weren't the only ones that needed a message of warning. They weren't the only ones that needed to experience God's grace. Um, God, doesn't, God doesn't come after Jonah because God needs Jonah to, to deliver a message. He comes after Jonah because Jonah needs God. Uh, God doesn't give up on Jonah when he fails. Uh, he doesn't give up on us when we fail. Uh, God doesn't quit calling us to obedience just because we failed. Uh, he continues to pursue us. He continues to forgive us. Uh, he continues to ask us to do hard things for him because he is at work in us. Uh, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, uh, Paul says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, God never gives, <laughs> gives up on us. That's what the Bible tells us. The Philippians tells us that he who began a good work in us is faithful to bring it to completion. And this story, uh, God relentlessly pursues Jonah. Uh, God convicts him of his sin. God graciously forgives him. And then God graciously calls him to the same hard task that he had failed at the first time. God mercifully pursues Jonah again and again and again in this story because God isn't only interested in saving the people of Nineveh. Uh, God is interested in saving Jonah as well. And the same thing is true for us. God will continue to pursue us, even when we are struggling with sin, uh, because he isn't done with his work in us either. Uh, God is the hero of our story, uh, because he has paid a tremendous cost to rescue us from our sins by giving up his only son, and because he doesn't give up on us, even on our darkest days. Uh, he continues to pursue us. He continues to work in us until he has finished his work. And I want to conclude by reading that quote from Paul Tripp uh, because uh, it's just an incredibly um, helpful quote. He says, uh, here he's talking about the way that our God pursues us. He says, um, he says this, We are loved by a dissatisfied Redeemer. He will not rest from his work of grace until every last microbe of sin has been completely eradicated from every last cell of every last one of his children. He is absolutely resolute in his determination that every one of his children will experience the complete spoils of the victory he gained over sin and death through his crucifixion and resurrection. You are blessed every day by his dissatisfaction. You are blessed every day that he does not grow discouraged, tired, or weary. You are blessed every day that he rules over all things for your sake. You are blessed every day that to cease from any of this, he would have to deny himself, and that is something he will never do. You know, the story of Jonah is, is the story of God's incredible, unrelenting, and overwhelming grace poured out not only on the Ninevites, but on Jonah. And that same God is daily pouring out his grace on us um, because what Jonah said is true. Uh, he is a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. So let me pray for us.